Psalm 46, verse 4. There is a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. So I want to talk to you about the river of God tonight. This psalm is a song of praise about entering into the city of Jerusalem. You see, under the law, the Jews were required three times a year. Every male was required to be present in Jerusalem for three annual feasts or festivals. Passover, or it's also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, the Feast of Harvest, or sometimes called the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and then finally the Feast of Ingathering, the Final Harvest, or it's also called the Feast of Tabernacles. And every, every male in Israel had to be physically present in the place where the Lord chose, the Bible says, the place where he chose to put his name, and that is in Jerusalem. Now, here's something that's interesting. The Hebrew word for Jerusalem is pronounced something like this, Yerusalem, Yerusalem. And that word in Hebrew is plural. That word in Hebrew is plural. And Jewish scholars, they struggle to explain why the word Jerusalem's in plural. But the New Testament makes it clear because there are two Jerusalems. There is the earthly Jerusalem, the city of David, in the land of Israel. But there is also a heavenly Jerusalem. In Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul tells us that the physical city of Jerusalem and the people there are in bondage. In bondage with their children living under the law. But Galatians 4.26 says this, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Woo. She is our mother. In other words, we come from her. Glory to God. Then again, I don't know if you ever thought about this or ever studied it. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that even though God promised all the land of Canaan to Abraham, Abraham and his family lived in tents. Everything about that? Abraham, he never built a house, a permanent structure. He never acquired land except to purchase one small plot to bury his wife. Why? Didn't he believe that God said this, I'm going to give all this land to you? Why didn't he take some steps to go ahead and procure that land? Well, Hebrews 11 verse 10 explains why. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He and his offspring moved about like foreigners and exiles in the land. They didn't settle down 
in one place. They were constantly moving because they were looking for a homeland. Again, in verse 16, it says, But as it is, they desire a better country. That is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Notice this. For he has prepared for them a city. So God did not mind being known as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was not embarrassed by them because they wanted something more than earthly provision. They wanted something more than silver and gold and cattle and sheep and lands and houses and garments to wear and and that type of thing. They wanted something more than that. They were longing for heaven. See, God knows you, and he knows what you really want. Sometimes what you want is fine. The only problem is don't settle for what is good in place of what is best. They wanted something better than that. Amen? Then another scripture, also in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, I'm sorry, verse 18 rather, says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest. And it goes on. Really what, in this passage of scripture, I won't take the time to read it, what the writer is saying I believe it's Paul. What he's saying is that he's talking about Mount Sinai. See, it in the desert, after coming out of Israel, the children of Israel came to Mount Sinai. And there God came down in all of his glory. And it was a, a terrible sight, actually. And the children of Israel were, were fearful. Even Moses said, I do exceedingly fear and quake. And God's voice thundered from the heavens. And no one was allowed to approach or come near to God. In fact, God gave specific instructions. If even an animal touches the mountain, it will be stoned or thrust through with a spear. It's a terrible, terrible sight. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, we didn't come to Mount Sinai. Really, what he's saying is, we're not under the old covenant. But he went on to say in verse 22 and 23, But you, that's some of us believers, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And he went on to say, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. In other words, we don't belong to the natural city of Jerusalem. We belong to the spiritual one above. Mount Zion refers to the hilly area upon which the city of Jerusalem is built. But in Scripture, it is also a code word that refers to the church. In fact, in verse 23... Hebrews 12 and verse 23, in the New International Reader's Version, it says, 
you have come to the church of God's people. The church is Mount Zion. And we belong to the Jerusalem above. Praise the Lord. So while we are living in this world, we are exiles and pilgrims. This earth is not your home. Maybe it would be helpful if we had a little bit of Abraham's faith. Go ahead and build your RCC house. Go ahead, but don't get too attached because this world is a temporary thing. and You and I, we're just passing through. But rather, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven. People watch the Olympics and they cheer for their nation. Maybe they watch a cricket match and they cheer for their nation or something like that. Fine, but you know that's just natural. You and I are different. You and I are different. In the flesh, yeah, there's a, there, you know, it's okay to be patriotic and stuff like that. That's, that's fine. Okay, no, no problem. God created nations and set their boundaries. But if you check inside of you, there's a greater loyalty. If you check inside of you, there's something else. Your first love. You are a citizen of heaven. That's who you are. Now, if you're an Indian citizen, you got an Indian passport. So when you cross the border, they can check your identification. I'm identified with Christ. And that is proven by a circumcision made without hands in my heart. He has changed me. He has given me his life and his nature. That is the proof. I have his spirit living inside me. If any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. We are registered in heaven. We are enrolled in heaven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. Hallelujah. That is your home. When you die, you didn't just depart. You went home. One day you're going home. If Jesus tarries, you're going home. Hallelujah. Listen, we may feel sad that you're not with us in the flesh, but we don't feel sad for you because to depart to your heavenly home, the new Jerusalem, let me tell you something, it's more than just a little bit better than your earthly home. It is far better. Hallelujah. There is no regret. Nobody in heaven regrets getting saved. Nobody in heaven regrets being with the Lord above. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So again, You've heard me say this before, but a lot of people say, life is short, enjoy it, but I'm telling you, eternity is long, prepare for it. Hallelujah. How, there isn't time, I gotta say this again, there isn't time in this life to do all the things your flesh would like to do. Some things, okay, fine, some things, maybe not, but there is time to do the will of God. That doesn't mean you can't have relaxation and rest and, and, and things like that. That's all fine. But there's a greater purpose than just rest and relaxation. God didn't call anybody just to be a vacationer. There's a higher purpose. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You are a citizen of heaven. Ooh. Now, 
fast forward to the end of the movie. Let's just skip over all the drama. After the millennium, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the new Jerusalem, which is the city of our God, will descend from heaven. And God's throne will be on the earth among men. You ever think about this? We sometimes say you need to get saved so you can spend eternity in heaven. You're not going to spend eternity in heaven. <clears throat> what? No, no, no. The new Jerusalem will come down. At the end of the age, will come down on earth. and We will live in that city. We will live in the city of our king. He has prepared for them a city. Heaven is basically a city. I hope they don't have traffic jams, but heaven is basically, <laughs> concerned about that, but heaven is basically a city. And we must be conscious of the fact that we belong to that city. You're not just a Demopurian, you're a heavenly man. Your home is the new Jerusalem. There's something in you that longs for your home in heaven. Again, I'll repeat myself, but, you know, people are always looking for some kind of idyllic paradise, right? They have a poster on their wall of some tropical island, and their dream is, one day I'll go to Tahiti. One day I'll go to Switzerland. One day I'll just go to this beautiful place where green pastures or lovely palm trees and blue skies, you know, and so they, 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 they're somehow, you know, everybody's looking to move up someplace, okay? I'm gonna move, you know, from the village to the town, to the town to the city, to the city to the metro, to the metro to some foreign country, you know, so I can work hard, make a lot of money, and then go back to the village and retire. You know, some people, they're always reaching for some place. In fact, some people move around from place to place. What you really want is not an island in the Pacific or some European country. What you really want is heaven. It's embedded in your soul. What you're really looking for will not be found in this life, will not be found in this world. Let me tell you something. You can go to some of those tropical paradises and they have mosquitoes and they have thieves and they charge too much money and, and you, get, you drink the water and get sick. I mean, there is, no, there is no perfect place, but there is heaven and that's really what you're longing for. Hallelujah. We're born of God's spirit. We have his nature. The very atmosphere of heaven is in us. You're a heavenly man. And while you are in this life, you are connected to the new Jerusalem. When you get to heaven, you won't feel out of place like a newcomer, a stranger, ah, you know, like a tourist. You will feel at home. You will feel this is where I belong. That's true. That's why sinners can't go to heaven. Even if somehow they could, they wouldn't feel right. I don't belong here. This is not for me listening to me and there is a river that flows from that city there is a river that flows from the new Jerusalem I'm not talking about fantasy I'm talking about reality in Revelation 22 verse 1 and 2 it says this then the angel showed me the river of the water of life bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God 
and, the, and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the streets of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There's a river that flows from the throne of God. And it touches you. And it touches me. And it refreshes you and refreshes me. It is the move of the Holy Spirit that nourishes us and heals us. There is a river that makes glad the city of our God. Many years ago, I heard one pastor in America preach and he visited a national park in the U.S. state of Arkansas, which is in the middle of the country, Midwest or middle part of the country. And in this park, there was a, a subterranean river that flowed out of a rock. There was a, there was a cleft, an opening in this rock face, and this like stream or this river was flowing out of the rock. And it continually, constantly flows. It never diminishes in its strength. Never stops. So the pastor asked the park ranger, has the river's flow ever been interrupted? Has there ever been a time when the waters diminished or receded? And he said, well, to my knowledge, only once. Many years ago, there was an earthquake in Alaska. Alaska is a U.S. state that's uh, on the Arctic Circle. It's connected to Canada. It's thousands of miles away from that place. There was an earthquake in Alaska, and he said, and that interrupted the river flowing out of this rock. It was coming from a long distance. There is a river that flows from the throne of the Lamb of God. It comes from a long distance, and it's flowing out of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There are subterranean rivers flowing beneath the surface of the earth. There's more water flowing underground than overground. Likewise, there are invisible rivers flowing in the realm of the Spirit. And if we will tap into these streams and be immersed in the flow of the Holy Spirit, we will experience the blessings of heaven. There is a river of joy. We tasted a, I tasted a little bit of that a moment ago. There is a river of healing. There is a river of power. There is a river of cleansing and purity. There is a river of revival. There's a river of peace, peace like a river. There is a river of revelation. There is a river of release and freedom. And there's a river of praise. All the outpourings, the flowings of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then again, notice this scripture 
I'll finish in a moment here. John 7, 37 and verse 38. John 7, 37, 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not a river, rivers. Not a river, not a stream, not a nala, rivers of living water out of his innermost being. King James says out of his belly. See, I got a big river, I got a big belly. Out of his belly will flow rivers Rivers, woo, rivers, rivers, rivers of what? Living water. Where does that come from? It comes from the throne of God. It comes from heaven. Why? Because you're a citizen of heaven. You're connected to that city. Glory to God. Now, Jesus, as a male Jew, attended the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem where he said these words. And at the climax, John says, the great day, the last day of the feast, the priest in Jerusalem filled a golden vessel with water from the streams of Siloa. These streams flow underneath the Temple Mount. And there was great jubilation, dancing and song. And then they solemnly poured the water on the altar. And in the midst of all this mirth and merrymaking, among the din and the jubilation and celebration, Jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice. It must have been loud to be heard over all of that commotion. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What is he saying? He's saying, I have something to offer you that's better than any kind of religious event, better than some kind of symbolic ritual, because this is a spiritual reality. There is a river that makes glad the city of our God, and it will flow to you and flow from you, and you'll never thirst again. I think drunkards make the best Christians. I think drunkards make the best Christians. I think drug addicts make the best Christians. Why? Well, you got to understand this. At least they have an appetite for something more. They, they, want, they, they thirst for something. The only problem is they're, they're trying to quench that thirst the wrong way. With booze, alcohol, you know. Or, or drugs, narcotics, that type of thing. But at least they have that drive. They, they, they're not satisfied with just the normal, humdrum, routine life. They want something more. Well, the only thing is, God has something not only more, but something better for them. And when they get saved, hallelujah, and get addicted to Jesus, then they have, they have an encounter with the Most High, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, those people, those people have rivers of living water flowing out from them. They're always drunk 
in the Spirit. They're always high in the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly how God wants you to be. The problem with some of us is we got too sober. I think we, we kind of went, after we got saved, we went to some kind of religious rehab. Out of his belly. If anyone thirsts, he said, come here, come here. Why? Because he says, I'm going to give you living water to drink. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lastly, from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47. The prophet had a vision of the heavenly temple. The throne room of God. And he said, and a river flowed from it. Same thing. A river was flowing from the temple of God in heaven. At first, it was only ankle-deep water. Splish, splash. Going a little further, it was knee-deep. Beyond that, it was waist-deep. Then verse 5. Again, he measured a 1,000 a thousand cubits. It's kind of like 1,500 feet or something. He measured a 1,000 cubits, and it was a river that, could not, that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. That represents the move of the Holy Spirit. The move of the Holy Spirit we have experienced a little bit. We've had a taste. We got our toes wet. Some people said, hip, hip, hooray, glory, hallelujah, and then kind of just sat down in a little puddle and said, well, that's it. That's as far as you can go. I, I've, I've done it all now. Praise the Lord. I'll do something else now. No, God's calling us out. Come a little further. Come another thousand cubits out. A few people have gone out into the knee-deep water. A few. Really, that's true. Just a few. Maybe one in a thousand has gone to the water, reaches the midsection, the, 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 the waist. But God is saying, no, 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 come out. Come on further. Let's go further. Let's go deeper than you've ever been before. Let's get to the place where you can't touch the bottom. There's nothing to hold on to. There's no like, you know, a little rock or twig or branch or something you can hold on to. You're just buoyed up by God's glory, just, just, just floating in his presence, and you're just gonna be carried along by that river. What is he saying? There's more of a demonstration, there's more of a move of God's spirit than what you have tasted and what you have experienced. Thank God for everything we've experienced. But I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in the kiddie pool. I'm going to swim with the big fish. I'm going I'm to try. I want to go out into the deep waters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Years ago, a friend of mine and I went rafting. Not exactly rafting. Did I just die? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I guess the light has gone and now it has come. Years ago, a friend of mine and I went uh, river rafting. We actually used inner tubes that were inflated, big tubes from a truck tire. 
It looked like a nice little stream, just kind of bubbling along. So we got in there. We're just going to just kind of coasting down the little river. And uh, it got a little bit rougher, a little bit stronger than, than I expected. And I kind of went down a little, little embankment, a little, a little drop. And uh, that little slippery inner tube popped out from underneath me. And I went down to the bottom of the river or down under, under the waters. And when I came up on the horizon, I saw my little inner tube way down there, like half a mile going down real fast clip away from me. Well, then I made a mistake. I tried to stand up in the river. That's when I discovered it was also a lot deeper than I realized. It was, you know, as, as deep as I am tall. And for most of you, that's pretty tall. And the water, see, if you got like ankle deep water, it just, you know, just kind of rushes over your feet and you go, ah, oh, refreshing. But it's like waist deep, it kind of, but when it's deeper than you are tall, there's a forcefulness, it knocked me down. I mean, I can stand up, I have pretty strong legs, but it just knocked me down. And I found myself going head first down a rapid river and must be the grace of God, but something told me, this is not really a good idea. And I flipped around and I went feet first. And I was bashing into rocks, even got like a big scar here still from that day. And that water just pushed us along. And then I saw my friend Jeff. He'd lost his inner tube too. <laughs> and and the, water, the river is sweeping us away a lot faster than we ever anticipated. This was supposed to be a nice little afternoon and it's turned into a life or death situation. And finally, somehow the currents swept us to the side and there was this big rock big, covered in moss, wet, slippery rock. And I just sort of, I, 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 there was a little rock on the bottom of the river and I stood on the rock with my, the top of, tip, tiptoes just to keep my nose above the water. And I kind of held onto that big, slippery rock. And then Jeff held on to me. <laughs> and we both prayed for the day. <laughs> and somehow we got out of there. What's the point of the story? There's power. There's power. How can we pray for some people they fall down? They just got into a little deeper water than they had been used to. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Where does the Spirit manifest himself in various gifts? It's in the place where we tap into the river. See, in other words, Problem is, you know, just because you know some scriptures and things like that, that doesn't mean you've experienced it. And to experience these things, you got to get into the flow of the Spirit. You got to get in the river. Which way is that river flowing? Well, go with it. Just go with it. Just go with it. Which way is the Spirit just seems to be moving in that direction, in a church service, and in a meeting, in an assembly like this? Well, just go with it. Just go with it. A lot of times churches, even Pentecostal churches, they're like trying to walk upstream. And the river's going that way. Just turn and go with it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where are ministries birthed? Where are anointings released? In the river. In that place where we step into a greater flow. How does revival happen? When the church is flooded. The church is flooded with the river of God. In 1995, on Father's Day, in a little town called Brownsville, 
a visiting evangelist preached one Sunday morning service. When he gave the altar call, he said it was like there were invisible streams that flowed from that platform and touched people all over that church building. And they came just flocking, running down to receive Christ as their Savior. It was just something, something that just seemed to flow out from, the, from, from that place and touch people and, and take them and pull them, pull them to the Lord. Whew. For the next five years, they held services and two lax people got saved. It became known as the Brownsville Revival. Why, what do we really want? If you're honest, you want more than a few snappy tunes and a clever message. I bet, that's, I bet you want more than that. You want more than a cup of tea and a biscuit. You can get that at home. You want more than just a place to showcase your talent or show off your new dress. Come on, there's something you want much more than that. What you want is you want the river of God. You want the flow of the Spirit of God. You want to be saturated in His presence. What we really want is for God's Spirit to have free reign and move in new ways. Real simple, isn't it? But that's what we want. By the way, that pastor in Brownsville, three years before they had that Father's Day service, he was preaching on revival constantly and telling those church members, we need to pray. We need to pray for the Spirit of God to move in our midst. Now here, I'll clue you in. I arrived here end of April, beginning of May this year. My first priority is just to have normalcy because we're just trying to bounce back from the devastating lockdown situation. Just try to get everybody back together. Just try to get everybody, you know, on a sound footing. We're kind of more or less there, kind of getting there, but we're more or less there. Here's the next step, revival. Not just here, but in other places, we need revival in our churches. In other words, we need more than tippy-toe water. We need a flood of God's presence and a move of his spirit. Hallelujah. And part of the reason is because I'm just tired of what the devil has done. I'm just tired of what the enemy has said. I'm just tired of all this world and all of this fear and all of this stuff. I am tired of playing defense. It's time to go on offense. We need revival in this church. We need revival in all the churches in Nagaland. We need revival in this part of the world. Hallelujah. And I'm not alone. There's churches all over the nations, and they are crying out for that as well. Hallelujah. That's what we need. There is a river. Woo-hoo! There is a river. I said there is a river. There is a river. <laughs> there is a river that makes glad the city of our God. It doesn't make you sad. It doesn't make you angry. It makes you happy. Hallelujah. No, no, we're not just going to sit on the banks and watch the water go by. We're going to jump in the river. You know what I mean by that? We're going to get in the flow of the Spirit. God didn't send you here tonight to be a spectator. 
take a few pics and post it online. You're here because there's a thirst in you. You're here because God's calling you. Come out deeper. Come out deeper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're not doing something just to, you know, impress, you know, anybody else. We're not doing something to kind of prove something. We're not doing something, some kind of, you know, antics or calisthenics just to kind of like, you know, uh, uh, satisfy somebody else. We're just responding earnestly to what God wants to do in our lives, no matter how that goes, wherever that river takes us. That's all I can say about it. I want you to stand with me to your feet right now.